You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. We, when we're not in a practice, we've been going through the book of Luke slowly, but we'll go back into it and look at a passage and we're exploring Luke. around. I wanted to afresh take a step back and go through a gospel with us, looking at who Jesus is asking afresh. I know some of us are seasoned Christians, some of us are new Christians, some of us are not even sure about this Christian stuff. What a chance to just step back and we've been exploring right through Luke on who Jesus is and we've been asking this question, is he enough? Is he enough? And so we're going to continue that today in Luke 9, 28. If you want to open your Bibles or you can read along here, let me read as we carry on. If you've just joined us, You can find all of the Luke series online through the podcast and you can catch up. Love you to do that. But we're continuing in Luke 9, 28 this morning. Let me read. After eight, uh, about eight days after Jesus said this, I'll pause there. (laughs) He's talking about the cost of discipleship, cost of following him, which we've been exploring the last few weeks. And now we find ourselves, after he said, you must take up your cross and follow me, he continues. So after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy and when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he did not know what he, oh, he, did not know what he was saying. While Peter, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. What an insane passage. (laughs) The transfiguration we call this event. Jesus up a mountain with a few and two of the old dead prophets revealing his glory to this four, transfigurating himself in front of them, letting them see his glory. So many, who has questions about any, even if you've done Bible studies or sermons on this, who still has questions about what went on? I do, so you're allowed to admit, I have a ton of questions. And so you should. What, what, did, what does it mean to transfigure? What does it mean to be as bright as a flash of lightning? What what does it mean for, for him to be talking to supposedly two dead prophets? That's, that's crazy. That's huge. What would they talk about? Often in churches, people think there's the church board meeting and you find people think, I wonder what's discussed. And they come and they realise how boring and how, and, and they wish they didn't know then. So Judy, Judy's laughing because she knows you're like, I wonder what secrets they discuss where's all the treasure buried oh, i don't know what you've oh, i don't know what we but it's like yeah it's very 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 boring we love it and it's important but it's um but this is one of these board meetings 
with Elijah, Moses and Jesus, I wish I could sit on in. What are they talking about? What types of things do they discuss? Do they make jokes? What, what do they say to each other? It's this kind of experience, and it's right through the Bible, where it, it's hard to understand. And I want to acknowledge that this morning and celebrate that because I'm so happy I don't understand it fully. I'm so happy there are parts of God I don't understand. Because, let's be honest, if there is a creator and he's in all things and he's above all things and he's created all things and he's in here in, in the form of Jesus right now stirring amongst the world at this point, then kind of how small would that God be if I completely understood him? That he was controllable, if everything he did made complete sense? That wouldn't be impressive. <laughs> there are moments in the Bible that are beautiful and amazing and something went down, but it's okay if you don't fully understand that. It's okay to fully have a God who, if we worship, should not be fully understandable, should not be able to be put in a neat little box because he's God. And so what I want to talk about today is kind of what I always bring it back to. It's God, but he's amongst humankind. And so there is a message for us. We can spend as long as we want talking about what transfiguration means. What do you reckon he looks like? What do you reckon Moses and Elijah were talking about? And that's great. We should do that and have fun with that. We can speculate. But what I'm going to speak about this morning, what I really enjoy is talking about how does humans deal with that? What can we learn as people here about when God comes in contact with us? What happens in our life when God speaks to us? Maybe he doesn't transfig in a mountain with you, but what happens when God speaks to you? And that's kind of just what I want to talk about today. Three things that I've pulled out of this scripture around that we can learn as humans about when God is speaking to us. Three encouragements this morning. Because this is why I love the Bible as well. It is so human. It's not afraid to be human, as you'll see. It's not afraid to have God there revealing himself up a mountain and then very human disciples say very human things. Um, but let's have a look. So my first sort of encouragement, and oh, I guess I'd like to acknowledge how spiritual the moment is in 2022 today. We are in, you, mate, you don't have to agree with me, this is, not, this is just my opinion here and speculation, but something's heavy at the moment. From the pandemic straight into a war, especially when Queensland here right now, the flooding. If you've seen what's the damage that's gone on, especially south of our border, New South Wales, it's horrendous. Something's thick spiritually as well at the moment that's going on in our world. And so what a time to know how to speak and hear from God. He wants to say something in this moment, I believe. He wants to say something in every moment. But I think it's particularly true for at the moment to be able to listen correctly and take in what he might be wanting to say. And so that was my other add-on to this morning's message. And so number one encouragement from this verse, mountaintop moments. Do you want to make sure you're all awake today? So everybody say mountaintop moments. Well done. So that's number one. So everybody, everybody loves a big paddock moment, I'll call it. Everybody loves when Jesus gets out the, the loaves and the fishes and he feeds 5,000 and his leftover food. You should see your faces when we have a potluck here. You should see my face when last time 
I mentioned I like trifle and there was four different trifles. And the ladies wanted me to, t- to, wanted to ask me which one was my favourite. I wouldn't dare do that. Um, they were all equally as nice. I don't, it's like my children. I love all trifles equally the same. But we love, and we love church. We love celebrating. We love Kim and Shirley sharing with worship. It's fun, right? It's good. Nothing wrong. These big moments. We love conferences. We love camps. We love when the body of Christ comes together and we celebrate. It's good. It's encouraging. Corporate worship, barbecues, social events. Sunday, it's good. It's encouraging and it's used by God. Amen. But how often is it the smaller moments, the chat after camp or after church, a coffee with a trusted person, a small table, which is what we call our small groups here, a weekly gathering. How often in those moments Christ is revealed in a unique, deep way? There is something way more imposing than that. It's easier than attending something, or it's harder than attending something. But there's something special when we put ourselves out there, these mountaintop moments that Christ is revealed. This doesn't make crowds evil. This doesn't make corporate events bad. I'm not, don't be, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's important to recognise their place. It's be care, we've got to be careful not to just seek after the loaves and fishes moments, but to remember the work in the... Well, right through the Word, Jesus shows that deep discipleship happens in mountaintop moments. A few up the mountain, Jesus reveals a bit more of himself fully shows them something about him. I'm not saying we all need to go up to Mount Tambourine. I'm not saying a literal mountain. Although you can, and that's a great way. I'm talking about seeing Jesus' life and the work done, the transformation that Jesus has done with someone, with a meal, over a meal with someone. Lives are changed. In the back room of a house, the Holy Spirit turns up. A prayer for you over a kitchen bench around a coffee seating outside of a building after a sermon or a message and talking and praying, at a park, around a fire, camping. There's clearly a model depth that's important to our discipleship in these smaller places. It's harder. Climbing mountains is hard. It's harder. It's invasive to meet with a few people because they might get to know the real you. It's harder. But my encouragement this morning in a very foggy, exhaustive and scary season of 2022 we desperately need to pursue mountaintop moments with each other and God even more and so of course this is an ad for small tables our small groups but there's many ways you can do this you can sign up to small tables but there's many ways that you can have mountaintop moments with a few and Jesus and so I encourage us in this time to pursue mountaintop moments i'm not promising jesus will transfigure right himself every time we meet like that but it says when two or three are gathered i'm amongst you i'm stirring something goes on that's deep and beautiful and good pursue those moments this year especially in this time last point on this because sometimes when you preach things um you wonder like i want you to know that we don't just i don't just talk about this stuff and say it's a good idea. You guys should do it. We try to pursue. We try to do this as a team. And so, me, Anne, and Lockie actually, the start of this year, we went up to Mount Tambourine for the night, 
and we prayed and we planned and we dreamed and we laughed um, to separate ourselves from the busyness of the church and just ask God what he would have for us this year. Did he turn up and reveal himself in, in, and did all the prophets come? No, but did, was, it in, was it important? Did it give me and the team peace for this year knowing God where he was in, where he was stirring? Absolutely. Mountaintops moments. I just encourage you this year to have a trusted community. Number two, we can learn, I reckon, is God's mission and purpose is sovereign. God's mission and purpose is sovereign. The second encouragement when it comes to hearing or finding revelation in God is an acknowledgement that he's always working. Always. He's always doing something new, yes, in each generation. He's revealing himself, yes, in different ways, in a fresh, a fresh to each yeah, each generation. But as we see here, it's not a different direction. He hasn't changed mission. I love that Elijah and Moses are there with him, talking about Jerusalem. Or, for some of them, for Moses, the promised land. It's the same thing. For Jesus, it's the kingdom and the coming kingdom. They're all consistent. Jesus' message over thousands of years of writing in the Bible is consistent. It's the same mission. He's always working towards that. His universal plan to reconcile all things is always at play. I take two things kind of from that. One, breathe out, what a relief. What a relief. If you stuff up and ruin the mission, you're not going to ruin his mission. It's okay. In fact, likelihood we will all stuff up it's okay. He's still got it. He wants to participate with you, but what a relief that it's not up to you, that this, the whole universe isn't resting on you to, to do that one thing you didn't do. It's okay. He's still working. He's still got it. There's a bigger narrative than us. There's a bigger God than we can understand. And we get, he's inviting you to participate with him, but his mission doesn't make or break on you. I don't say that to offend you, but take it as relief. I'm relieved. You guys should be relieved. It doesn't rely on me. <laughs> How scary. In a time of wars and rumors of wars, floods and pain, know that there's a purpose, not always clear, but it's always at play. God is sovereign, His mission continues. Amen. Amen. The second part of this is I want to acknowledge the gift that the Bible is. A library of books all consistently pointing to that narrative, that story. All consistent with the one story about the coming Messiah or man's imperfection, man's sin, the coming saviour of that sin, the Saviour actually coming and saving us and our chance to repent and accept that salvation. It's consistent right across the Bible, right across thousands of years of literature is that one story. And so if you, if you feel like God is saying something to you in this time, if you feel like you are trying to seek God in this foggy, exhaustive season, going, what do you have for me? What a great resource to lean on in seeing what he has done 
consistently where he's heading. It's a gift. As we had Brad speak on this, I think late last year, he talked about it's a gift, so use it. The Bible's a gift. What do I mean by this? Say you believe God wakes you up tonight and you believe he's called you to the ministry of buying people random puppies. Yep, puppies. So imagine you wake up tonight and you go, God has revealed to me in a dream that I need to give everyone a puppy and then share the gospel with them. And you're just like, I had the dream, I'm called to that. And you go start buying, whether people want it or not, you start buying them a puppy and, and telling them the gospel. You're just certain. Can I encourage you, if that's your dream tonight, maybe talk to eldership. Maybe check the Bible. Talk to your trusted mountaintop community. You may not be wrong. He might be telling you that. But this is why we exist. Our relationship's just not solely, I'll do what I want. It's, I'll do what God wants. And I've got trusted community to check with, that can pray through. Maybe, you're, maybe you've heard something wrong and need clarification. Maybe not everyone needs a puppy or wants a puppy. I say that in a silly example, but one of my closest mates in my, when I used to play basketball as a kid, my closest mate, in that team, his dad left the family and went to America because God had told him to. Devastated him, devastated her, his wife, but he had, he had woken up one morning and said, God has told me to leave my family and go be a missionary in America by myself. Now, I don't know if he was making that up or something else, but he, when I actually, I actually remember the stories playing out, I remember he seemed... Like he actually thought God was telling him. I'm going to be confident enough to say God was not telling him that. But that's the danger. He might have been saying be a missionary in America, that's fine. That's the danger if we don't have trusted mountaintop community. Small community, that's not everyone's chance to church people to go, oh, I don't know if that's what God is asking. And that's the danger if we don't check the Bible and look at the narrative that is about family, that is about looking and loving each other we need it so check god's mission is sovereign and it is consistent and so check it check the bible i want to also acknowledge church you might be sitting there going oh i have had a mission i thought it was a good mission it wasn't puppies and it wasn't leaving my family it was a good one but a church discouraged me i want to also acknowledge that churches can do the opposite sometimes. Absolutely, because we're broken. Churches have been known, can, someone can have a fire and they can put it out. Absolutely. So I'm not pretending that everybody in the church needs to be who you go to, but just find people that you admire, that, you, that can sharpen you, that you think are well in the word, and do that with them. It's not going, hey, I had a dream last night about puppies and telling every single person. Because you might. It's, it's about having trusted people that study the Bible with you and can hear correctly from God. So it's important. I want to acknowledge that. It would be a handful here. I reckon half the church would at some point had a church person discourage them from a calling or something they felt like God said. So just make sure you've got the right people and they're in the Word as well. That kind of leads to my last point. When we're listening to God, it's first listen, then obey. Everybody say, listen, then obey right the danger of today especially and really the entirety of history here's a danger for us often satan the enemy 
doesn't just tell a man to leave his family. That's a rare example. Often, Satan tells you a half-truth. What do I mean? Did God really tell you to not eat the fruit? Not, hey, go over there and you should get all that up, mix it into juice and make a, yeah, a tree of life smoothie. He's not outright. He just, did God really tell you? It's just, like just a different angle. Complete lie. But that's how he works. It's not as obvious. Often, he almost sounds like God or he's questioning God's voice. Take Peter right now in this story. I love Peter all the time, but I love Peter in this story. He's got all this heritage and experience and tradition. And so when you have the prophets in your presence and you're kind of waking up and you have Jesus glowing and God is revealing himself to what they suspected, he's the Messiah, and now he's revealing he is the Messiah, he's got all this tradition. He knows, man, when this type of thing happens, people build altars. They get rocks and they stack them and they build shelter and they call this land holy. He's read his Bible. He's had the tradition. And so what does he do? <laughs> but straight away he starts starting setting up tents. He's like, hold that thought, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Let's, um, let's build some tents. Let's get a fire out. Let's, let's make this a thing. <laughs> let's sit down. We could talk all night. I've got questions for what just went on then. Can we, and he, you can imagine he's starting to collect sticks to set up the tents. He's like, let's sleep over party with Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. He's excited. This is awesome. And please don't be offended by this because I'm saying it to be a little bit offensive because God didn't say this because his guiding is much more polite than me. But essentially, amongst what he's collecting sticks and setting up his tent, essentially, my paraphrase, voice comes from the heaven and says, shut up. You might be offended by those words, but it's that forceful. It's a booming voice from the heaven. and goes, Peter, shh, listen. Listen. Peter, that tent looks awesome, but listen. Stop. Stop reacting and just for a moment while God reveals himself to you, just stop and listen. We live in a world where everybody has an idea of how the kingdom's meant to be, Christian or not. And some of it sounds almost right. And we're called to be by the world, not by God, to react to it. Let, can I give you some without offending more of you? Let me give you some examples, and I'm not knocking any of this, but let, let's go. Don't take the vaccine because it's the mark of the beast. Do what Jesus would do. That's what I've heard over the last couple of years. Do take the vaccine because you're caring for your brothers and sisters. Do what Jesus would do. Any, I'm not knocking any of these. Just have a think. Vote ScoMo. He's a Christian. He'll get us out of this mess. Do what Jesus would do. Don't vote ScoMo. Where was he when people needed him? Do what Jesus would do. What we need is more social services. What we need is a world that has a universal basic income so everybody has enough money to eat and help themselves at least. Do what Jesus would do. What we need is a capitalist culture where we're free to choose and every man is free to make his own way in the world. Do what Jesus would do. Hey, Jesus started the church. We don't shut the doors for any pandemic. Do what Jesus would do. 
Hey, Jesus met in homes and in bars and around tables. Do what Jesus would do. Hey, and I laughed about this this morning. Hey, I became a Christian on the day a speaker spoke on this type of message and it was this era of music playing. So God likes Christians. He likes me. Do what Jesus would do. (laughs) Speak that way and play that way. What about the poor, the widows, the sick, my friend, the neighbour, the neighbour's neighbour, the dog, the cat, the floods, the lent, the war? We feel like we need to have an opinion and an action right now in everything. Social media only makes this worse. We have to react, have to have an opinion and a position on these things because do what Jesus would do. I am a firm believer in this cultural moment right now God might be saying. Some of these things and thoughts are not wrong and it's okay to have convictions and act on them. They're not evil. But I truly believe the central message right now in this foggy, exhaustive time is shush, Christians, and just look and listen to what I'm doing. It may sound like me, but you don't want to spend your life doing something that almost sounds like Jesus. What a waste. You want to do what Jesus says. After all, he's the king in the kingdom. Not knocking political views, not knocking opinions. I love that this church actually has all of that here. How cool that we can still meet, have communion, and we've all got Jesus. But right now, there's a lot of listening that needs to be done. And if you're feeling convicted, know that I'm feeling convicted a hundred times more because I'm the most extroverted extrovert I know and I never stop talking. Ask Mez. Poor Mez. How many times does she have to hear this message before you guys get to hear it? I just don't stop talking and I need to shut up and listen sometimes. So obviously when I'm up here, I'll do the talking. That's fine. (laughs) but let me tell you I'm not knocking you I just walk away from some things and go Steve just be quiet you're not the answer God is many times sitting in the car just for a moment yep talk too much again shh so I appreciate if you ever met with me for pastoral care and I talked right through your problems and solved them all (laughs) be easy on me I'm learning but I I just say I'm convicted on this listen just listen then obey of course action don't just listen and stop listen then obey i have to work twice as hard as that but i'm trying before we go forward with anything we should probably check with him and then do it because it'll be awesome and it'll be his if it isn't given room to wrestle and discuss these things in this time need time with trusted community mountaintops moments with you and God and in study of the word and the thousands of years of narrative and sovereign work of God if it's all in line with that then go for it but at first just put down the sticks Peter don't build a tent God's revealing himself right now maybe just listen we're in a practice at the moment and I thought it lent and letting go again you don't have to do lent You might be joining Lent halfway through. It's not a religious thing. We have readings at the back. And it's just a tool. Grab one of these. It's okay if you start now. 
but we're just as a church, we're trying to make space to listen. We're approaching the cross afresh this year. And even though the cross has always been there and the message is the same, 2022 is not the same. So let's approach the cross in 2022 and listen. Read through John and maybe take something away out of your life that's distracting you. Me and Mez, it's TV. It's, and I'll admit it's hard. There's a lot of good TV shows out there and I love TV. But it makes us stop and listen. Lent and letting go. You can grab a practice guide in the front. That's my practice there for today. And uh, let me just encourage you to find and pursue mountaintop moments. Join a small table. Find some people that's trusted, that you can study the word together. Know in this time, in this season, in unknown health, in unknown anything, that God's still at work. He's got you. And thirdly, yeah, what's the teacher? It's such a teacher thing to say or a parent thing to say. You've got two ears for a reason, one mouth. But literally, I guess that's my lesson. So it comes down to you've got two ears for a reason. Um, you can tell I've been told that. So, But do that, listen, and then obey. Let me pray. We're going to invite the ladies back up. And I think they're going to do a couple of songs today, which would be lovely. Come to the altar and the blessing. So let me pray, and we'll look forward to hearing from them. Father, in a foggy exhaustive, spiritually turmoil time, may we be, as Burley Church of Christ people, that don't just react. We don't just need to post something. We don't need to be seen to do something instantly. May we be a people that stop, consider, consider your word, consider your people, listen, and then obey fully. May we be seeking your voice, not a politician's, not another authority figure, not even Steve's, but seeking your voice. 